and turn to that page number 58. Page number 58. Let's sing that song through together this morning. Our Lord deserves our praise and worship this morning. Let's sing it out together on that chorus. Majesty, worship is majesty. attitude, amen, that we would magnify our Lord. I, I finished uh, the book of Psalms uh, this morning in my Bible reading, and it, and it ends with this, praise ye the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, and praise Him in the firmament of His power, praise Him for His mighty acts, praise Him according to His excellent uh, greatness. And I love how it ends at the end there. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So if you're breathing this morning, we ought to make Him our audience. Amen. Don't hold your breath, all right? If you're breathing, no, I'm just kidding, all right? So sure glad you're here uh, this morning. And uh, of course, this is that week between um, uh, Christmas and New Year's. And so people are just coming out of their uh, comas and uh, of food and, and family and football, not necessarily in that order, amen. I read a thing the other day that, that said, uh, I'm not sure if today's Monday or Thursday or 1982, amen. <laughs> but today is uh, Sunday, you're in the Lord's house, amen. And it's the last day of the year, let's finish strong, all right. And let's make Him our audience uh, this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother C.J. Reeves if you would open us in prayer this morning, brother. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning? I did just have a few quick announcements I wanted to uh, mention this morning. Uh, of course, today is uh, New Year's Eve, and uh, so we have been having our regular services uh, today. I, listen, I could think of no better place than to finish the year than in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
And so tonight we will have our Bible study and then our evening service tonight uh, at 6.30. And then right after the evening service tonight, we are going to have a linger longer. And so all that simply means is this, we linger longer, right? We stay around and have uh, some fellowship. And so we'll be over in the fellowship hall as well as uh, the gymnasium. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to stay tonight, bring some finger foods and we'll have a good time uh, in the Lord and some fellowship. And, and of course, I, I have said this, uh, you know, I know a lot of people on New Year's Eve stay up till midnight. If you want to do that, that's fine. Just lock the doors when you leave because I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock. Amen. That's, uh, but anyways, I uh, did want to mention uh, that tonight. I also wanted to mention this tonight. Uh, as we wind up the year, we're going to look at our theme uh, for next year in 2024. Uh, and so looking forward to that uh, as well. If you have kids in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about school starts uh, back on Tuesday uh, this coming week, January the 2nd. And then also we will be hosting our first series of, of volleyball and basketball games against Heritage Baptist School in Lawrence, uh, Kansas. And so that'll be here uh, at our church over in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium, and that'll be at six o'clock on Friday night. And so if you have kids in the school, make sure they're here for that. But then if you'd just like to come to the games, we certainly want to encourage you to do that. And then, of course, don't forget about Saturday. Uh, ladies, there's a wedding shower for Miss Sophie Mirhoff, who is getting married in February. So Saturday, January the 6th, and that is at one o'clock in the afternoon. I think that it was uh, on the slides as three o'clock or, or something like that. But that is at one o'clock in the afternoon, and they are registered at Amazon and so make sure you're aware of that. And then last but not least is the couples retreat, the Midwest couples retreat coming up February the 2nd and the 3rd. So any of our married couples would like to go to that. And yes, you do need to be married in order to go to that. So if any of our married couples would like to go to that, you do need to sign up. The sign up sheet is out in the outer foyer and you do need to sign up by next Sunday. The cost is $190 uh, a couple, but it does pay for your hotel room. And things like that. It is at the Double Tree, not the Dollar Tree, but the Double Tree Hotel over here in Overland Park. I mean, it's a little up higher up than the Dollar Tree. Anyway, all right. The Dollar Tree would be interesting, wouldn't it? Anyway, uh, page number 11. Let's all stand together and turn to page number 11. Come thou found of every blessing. We'll sing all three verses this morning. Sing it out on that first. Come thou found of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise, teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues of love, praise the mountain fixed upon it.
Somebody say amen this morning. Praise the Lord for all he's done for us. Turn to page 298. Page number 298 this morning. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. We'll sing all verses this morning. Page 298. Sing it out on the first. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling He made all the darkness depart.
across that page number. If you're gloriously saved, say amen this morning. If you're thankful you're saved, say amen this morning. Oh my. Listen, we got to get out of the coma state, okay? We got to get back into the things of God this morning, all right? Now, it's my job as the music leader to get you awake so you don't fall asleep for the preaching, okay? Now, <clears throat> we need to try this again. If you're saved, say amen this morning. Amen. That's better. Now, I know, you know, you don't need to go Baptocostal or anything this morning, but we can get excited to be saved this morning. We're going to sing about it. We're going to go back to actually sing verses 2 and 3 again, all right? Because that second verse talks about how we're in the family of God and we have a lot to look forward to. We need to be thinking about the words while we're singing this morning, all right? Let's sing it out. Verse number 2 and 3 together. Born of the Spirit with light from above Into God's family divine Sing it like you mean it! Oh, what a standing is mine And the transaction so quickly was made When as a sinner I came Took of the offer of grace He did proffer He saved me, oh, praise His dear name Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away. of time I have a future in heaven for sure there in those mansions sublime and it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believe riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I receive heaven came down and glory Uh, come this morning as, as we uh, take up the Lord's uh, offering. Did just want to remind you of a few things. Uh, certainly pray for uh, Brother Matt and Ms. Shelby uh, Dawsing and, and little Kinley as this is their last uh, Sunday uh, with us. And so they'll be moving uh, to the ungodly state of Texas. Amen. And so uh, pray for them. And certainly pray for our missionaries, Jack and Lizzie Parker, and uh, their family as this is their last Sunday with us for a little bit as they are heading out tomorrow uh, back on the depu- uh, back on the deputation trail, but certainly been thankful to have them here with us through the holidays. Been a real blessing. Lastly, uh, is the daily uh, Bible reading calendars for the month of 2024. And if you would like one of those, they're on the table here in the auditorium. And uh, certainly avail yourself to those. If we run out, we do have some more in the office. There, we'll make sure to get one of those. But what it does is it just has a daily uh, Bible reading for every day, uh, and where it takes you through. Uh, the Bible, it takes you through the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice, uh, Psalms twice, and Proverbs 12 uh, times. It's something I have done for the last several years, and it's just a real blessing. I finished it up, mine up, 
uh, this morning. And so I want to encourage our people. I, listen, I'm telling you, we need the Word of God. We really do. And you, it's, it's like food. It is. It's spiritual food. And you need to eat more than Sunday and Wednesday. You need to eat every day of the week, just like you need to eat food, every physical food every day of the week. So I want to encourage our people to be in the Bible. And I realize there are other things out there that people use to go through, but certainly those are available uh, to us. Brother John Ellis, would you pray and ask the Lord's blessing on our offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated this morning. is sufficient. Amen. Let's all stand one last time. Turn to page 233. I'm thankful for the wonderful grace of Jesus this morning. We'll sing all verses for our last song together. Page 233. Sing it out on the first. Wonderful grace of Jesus.
say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Just before the message, we'll have a special from Mrs. Quinlan. This Evening, 
neither day nor hour we know may he find us watching waiting ready then with him to go watchmen what of the night are there signs of Christ's return tell me when is he coming will it be soon will it be soon very appropriate song for the time isn't it uh, certainly the year uh, ending and a new one uh, beginning and you never know if we're going to finish the year out, amen. Uh, the Lord could certainly uh, come at any uh, moment. And uh, the only thing you and I can do is be ready. Amen. Guy stands up and says he knows the time or the hour. He's a liar because nobody does. But the one thing we can do is be ready. And you be ready by receiving him as your Savior because of his first coming. And so that's actually where we are at uh, this morning. And so... I want to invite you to the Gospel of Luke once again in chapter uh, number 2. Of course, we have been studying through the Gospel of Luke uh, the last uh, month or so. We, we started it uh, and have gotten into it as we finished up the book of Romans. And, and I thought that this was neat that we ended up last week on Christmas Eve uh, looking at the Christmas story in both the morning and the evening uh, service. We saw... Uh, the birth of the Savior there, and certainly the shepherds coming uh, to the manger scene to validate the announcement of the angel that the Savior had been born. And no doubt, the Savior has been born. And a blessing, and that's really what Christmas is all about, isn't it? And uh, God sending His Son so that mankind can be saved. And so if you're there in Luke chapter 2, I don't want you to stand uh, just yet, but I want to show you some things here. Something that uh, was actually in the scene last week and that will be in our scene this week as well as the one uh, next week. But look with me, if you would, at verse number 19. This, of course, is when the shepherds have come, and I want to point this out to you. It says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, that these shepherds would come and, and celebrate the birth of the Savior there in the manger. Now look down at verse number 33. This is where we're going to be at this morning. You'll see it unfold here, but I want to point this out. The Bible says this, And Joseph and his mother, talking about Mary, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Now look down at verse number 51. And this will be in our scene uh, next week as Jesus has left at the temple. And it says this in verse 51, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in, his, in her heart. The, the common theme here, all right, and, and grab a hold of this. The common theme here in each of these scenes that Luke records is that these were little confirmations that God put in the lives of Joseph and Mary to, to confirm, uh, to, to reinforce the miracle 
and the sign of the virgin birth. You understand what, what, he's, what, what, he's, what, what, what God is trying to say here to, to Mary and, and to Joseph, in which they already knew, but it's to confirm to them that this was no ordinary birth. And, and, and of course, this was also no ordinary child. This is the God-man, the, the Christ child, the Messiah, the Savior, the, the Son of God. All right? And so here's the idea here. Are, are you listening to this? Because this is why, why Luke would record them in his gospel. It's not only to say to Joseph and Mary, this is little confirmations to them. This is also more confirmation to us. All right? And, and so it makes sense then. Uh, doesn't it? I mean, it makes sense that as Christ, the, 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 the Christ child is brought to the temple, his father's house. And he's going to be dedicated, all right, as a child of Israel. Watch this. It makes sense that something special would happen. Doesn't it? I mean, after all, it's the Son of God being brought into the Father's house. And that's what you and I are going to see this morning. So you're there in Luke chapter 2. I want to invite you to stand in honor of God's Word if you're able to stand. And, and we're going to pick up reading here in verse number uh, 22, we know that ver verse number 21, what talks about the eight days being accomplished, and so they circumcised the child, and his name was called Jesus, uh, which was so named of the angel before uh, he was conceived in the womb. So, so they obeyed Gabriel. They obeyed the commandment of God. But look down at verse number 22. It says, And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him, talking about the child Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. All right? As it is written. And notice the, the, the quotation here is a parent, uh, the parentheses. It's a quote from the Old Testament. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ all right so so now watch this you know he's just he's so lucky No, no, it's not luck at all. It is, again, the providential hand of God. In verse 27, that He came. He came by the Spirit into the temple. Because after all, if you walk with God, you're going to come to God's house and worship God. And so it says, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for Him after the custom of the law, then He took Him up in His arms and blessed God and said, Because here's the thing. Every parent that has a newborn, they can't wait for some stranger to come by and grab their kid. It's good. It's good. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of application here. Amen. Simeon was in the nursery, though. He was waiting. He took him. He took him up in his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of of all the people, a light 
to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess working in the nursery. Oh, it says a prophetess, a daughter of Phenuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about four score and four years. So she was married for seven years. Her husband died. She's been a widow now for 84 years. But notice this, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of Him to all them that looked for, and what's that word right there, church? Redemption in Israel. You ought to underline that word redemption. Pretty key right here. I titled the message this morning, The Dedication of the Lord, or The Dedication of Christ, because that's really, that's, that's what's happening here. But there's also something else that I want us to see. What Joseph and Mary are doing, according to the law of Moses, in presenting or dedicating the child Jesus unto God, it's really a picture of what the Heavenly Father is doing with His Son, Jesus Christ. It, and it's Simeon that's going to come along and he's going to make that clear. See, see, watch this. Just as Joseph and Mary are dedicating Him unto God, God is dedicating Him unto the redemption of all mankind. Pretty amazing here. They're buying back Jesus Christ, and Jesus is going to buy us back to God. Redemption. Pretty awesome stuff. Maybe we should change the title, The Redemption of Jesus Christ. Because that's really what this is about. Father, would you bless the preaching now? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these precious little scenes that, that you use Luke to record for us that just once again confirm the birth of our Savior, the virgin birth, and certainly that it's your Son that has been brought forth so that we can be saved. And God, certainly my prayer is this morning that every person under the sound of my voice has received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And if not, let today, Lord, let today be the day of that salvation. And Lord, even for us that are saved, God, help us, Lord, to even follow the example of Anna, and to tell others about the redemption that you've given for all of mankind. Would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name? Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning? Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. I, di I didn't know this until a few years ago. And uh, before my, my grandma on my mom's uh, side passed away, she told me this, this story. Uh, about about me, and of course, if it's about me, I, I enjoy hearing it. 
Because I'm an only child and only children are the best. Because if you have the perfect kid, you don't need any more. This is going down the hill really quickly, isn't it? I was actually, about, I was actually a kid uh, playing at her house, and, and I believe it was in Lakeland, uh, Florida. And I don't remember all the details specifically. I, I think that I was running by uh, the back porch there or something like that, and she was sitting there with my grandfather and, and, and some others, and she leaned over, and she said this, and, and she told me this. She said, I said, there goes our little preacher. And I thought, man, that is crazy. Because as it so happens to turn out, well, I answered God's call on my life, and here I am preaching the Word of God. And I listen, I have no idea why she would say uh, something like that. I don't necessarily think that it was something like Simeon here being filled with the Holy Ghost and, and going, this is the prophecy of you know, this blonde-headed kid running by the back porch, he's going to be... A, I, I think it was more along the lines, she probably heard me running my mouth and talking smack to my cousins and thought, he likes to talk so much, he's probably going to be a preacher. It's the only thing I can, I can conclude, but I do know this as a parent. There's probably some of those things that we can see in our children that maybe we would say is going to certainly play a part in their later uh, lives. I also know this, there's things we can't see. I, I can remember uh, my son uh, Luke being a, a, a little fella and, and showing interest in, in music and, and things like that. And, and certainly Natalie and I would encourage him in those uh, things. But, but i got to be honest with you, I didn't see six foot four coming. Had I known that, I'd have saved a lot more money. You understand what reason? Reason I'm I'm telling you all of this is because obviously there's a prophecy that's given in our text concerning the child Jesus. And what I want to say to you this morning is this: is that while we would understand that this is a unique circumstance, and as parents today we aren't necessarily afforded this luxury of knowing our children's future. However, one of the greatest things we could do as parents to help our children's future is to follow the example of Joseph and Mary in this text and have them in the house of God as soon as possible and dedicate them unto God and then keep them in the house of God. Like Joseph and, and Mary, I, I couldn't help but to think that when our kids were born, Every, every, we, you know, and everyone was home from the hospital. We didn't let that become an excuse to keep us out of church. We, we made it a point of, of having our kids back in church and our family uh, back in church as soon as possible. And we did bring them before the church, just like our scene uh, right here. And we dedicated them unto the Lord. And the idea was this is that we wanted to publicly hold ourselves accountable as parents to say that we were going to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to encourage uh, parents that are here this morning to do this, do the same things. We, we Dedicate your children unto the Lord. Right, let, let me say that again. Dedicate your children unto the Lord. You understand, we don't, we, don't, we don't do this anymore. When I would say to you this, we need to get back to doing this. 
We need to get back to dedicating our children unto the Lord. And I realize sometimes parents do that spiritually speaking, but I would say this, we need to even do it publicly as well so that we're example to other parents, but also so that we're holding ourselves accountable to our church family. And let me also say this, don't let small children be an excuse to stay home and watch live stream. And let me also say this, we have wonderful nursery workers that can watch your children during the services, allow them to watch your children and, 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 and allow, listen, don't, don't deem them as your child is too special and other mamas aren't good enough to watch her kids. Use the, the, the nursery, because trust me, I, listen, I get it. When the first one comes along, you think, man, this kid is special, and it's your, tri- your prized treasure, but by the time the second one and the third one comes along, you're going to realize you don't care anymore. And you're going to take them to the nursery and you're going to drop them off and you're even going to forget about them and leave them in the temple like Jesus' parents did in the next scene. Oh, I got some great stories for illustrations in the next text. I can't wait to get there. You you understand what I'm saying? What what, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is to to follow the example here. Have, Have your kids in church. And let me also say this, listen to this. As your children get older... All kinds of things will come along and try and, dis- and, and try and distract you from that dedication unto the Lord. Don't let it. L- listen, sports, gymnastics, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, praise God for Thin Men cookies. The, 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 the school functions, the family events, the hobbies, the work, whatever. Listen, the list goes on and on. But fight to keep Christ in the center of your home and your family. Keep church attendance. And keep service unto the Lord at the center. Because here's the thing. When they become young adults, listen to this. When they become young adults, being mediocre at basketball or baseball or football or, or especially soccer is not going to matter. What's going to matter is their walk with God and, and how much they understand about God and whether they've been taught the Bible and, and, they, have a, and they have a walk with God. And I'm telling you, it, that, that must be nurtured by the decision-making of the parents. And let me also say this, and while I'm on the subject here, listen to this, when your children are grown, keep serving God. Keep serving God. This is what I thought about. When all of this is said and done, and Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father at the beginning of the book of Acts, guess who is still in church? Mary. She's right there gathered with the 120 and Peter is now the, the next pastor. But you understand, th- th- listen, this, this is what happens. When parents, after their kids are grown, and parents start skipping out on Sunday mornings and, and Sunday school and, and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, the reality is they're revealing their heart. They never were all in to begin with. And, and the truth of the matter is, and I know this is going to hurt to hear this, But that oftentimes explains why a lot of adult kids are turning out to be carnal even though they had them in church. It's because they watch one message at at church, but then they watched another message at home. What I'm trying to get across to you is this. Please listen to this. Don't be those parents. Be all in for God. 
And, and when your children are grown and they begin to serve the Lord, let them continue to see an example of a Christian that is on fire for God. Listen, listen, man. Listen, hey, I am 48 years old. I think I added that up right. You know, you get to a certain extent point there and you forget which number you're at. But I'm telling you that, listen, when I was in my 20s and I was in my 30s, I, I, I thought this, I knew all the answers. But I'm telling you, the reality was this, I didn't even know the questions, much less the answers. Man, there were all kinds of things that I struggled with in my 20s and, and in my 30s. And you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that there were still God's people that were in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s that I could look up to and that I could go to and that I could rely on and that I could, that I could ask questions to and that I could listen. I could, I could go to them and follow their example. And what I'm saying to you is that our kids still need to see that in this day and time. That they would still see mom and dad that they would still see mom and dad in the house of God and listening to the word of God and still coming to an old-fashioned altar and getting up on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday mornings and reading their Bible and praying and witnessing and walking with God and giving the faith promise and tithe and teaching a Sunday school class or whatever the case may be. I, I listen, I, I'm just telling you right now, there, there's obviously a correlation in this, in this text between a child's future and being in the house of the Lord. And the example of Joseph and, and Mary right here is to be both commended and followed by us. You, you, you listen, if, it was, if the Savior, if His parents were doing it, don't you think we ought to be doing it? You know, I was just sitting here thinking, man, this has been a great song service. They're finally out of their Christmas coma. But I'm starting to worry here. You, you understand, if, if, if this is what the Savior's parents did for Him, this is what we ought to be doing with our kids. And I'm just telling you, it's going to greatly determine the future of your children, your decision on spiritual things here. And no doubt, Joseph and, and Mary realizing that this is the Son of God I'm telling you, they, they took the highest standard here and began to follow God uh, and obey His Word and had Christ brought in to dedicate Him unto the Lord. But we also realize this, all right? And, I re and I'm, and I'm going to get back to the message here. And I didn't want this to sound like two different messages, but that's really a tremendous application right there uh, of the scene here. But we also know this. This is no ordinary birth, and this is certainly no ordinary child. And, and thus the ordinary circumstance that is taking place within the temple. And the reality is this, as wonderful as the example is of Joseph and Mary as parents, there's also a tremendous message here with the child Jesus Christ and the redemption that God has for all of mankind. Look, look with me if you would at verses 22 through, through 24. And I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here you can go back up. We read verse number 21. And you can see where, uh, the, I, I love this. The, the obedience of Joseph and Mary sticks out like a sore thumb right here. I mean, it's, it stands out in this. And you go back to verse number 21. They circumcised the child on the eighth day according to the law of Moses. They named him Jesus 
Because that is what the angel Gabriel said to do. I mean, you can understand. They're realizing this is God's son. We're to be a steward of Truth of the matter is your children are God's children. And you're to be a good steward over them. And the greatest thing you could ever do is give them back to God. And raise them in, in the way that he sees fit. But, but you understand, that obedience still goes on. Look at verse number 22. It says, And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they, they brought unto him the Lord, uh, brought him uh, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, this purification right here uh, of the, for the birth of a male child is according to Leviticus 12 in verses 4 through 6. And it's actually 33 days. And so this was meant as, as a health precaution, all right, but also it meant that, uh, that at the time of this presentation at the temple, we would have to conclude that the baby Jesus would be somewhere in the neighborhood of five to six weeks old, okay? And, and so, but then notice, notice, look down at verse 23 and 24, and look, look at this specifically here. So here's what verse 23 says. It says, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy uh, unto the Lord. All right, now, it's a, it's a parenthesis and it's a quotation. I mentioned that a moment ago. And it's actually, it's actually a quotation of Exodus 13, 2. Okay? So, this is the command. All right, now stay with me because we've got some explaining to do. Then we're going to do some preaching, okay? So, so listen to this. this. This is the command that all the firstborn males, both of man and beast, is to be sanctified and set apart for the Lord. And it actually is the idea of this for sacrifice. For sacrifice. Every firstborn male and every firstborn uh, male of, of man and, uh, and of beast. And, and, but, but see, now watch this. But this, this you, you understand that there's a picture here, all right? Now stay with me. Because this, this is because of what God did to set Israel free from the bondage of Egypt. Does everybody remember the plagues? All right? Do you remember the final one that broke the back, so to speak? Of, of Egypt and their control on Israel, it was that God flew over and killed all the firstborn males of man and beast, all right, unless, unless there was blood, the blood of a, of a sacrificed spotless lamb on the doorpost of your house. Another picture there. Is everybody getting this? Catching this? Come on, friend. I, I like, we sang it this morning in Sunday school. When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass, I will pass over you. The, come on, I'm just, I'm just telling you. So, so, but here's the thing. So he gives that command in light of what he did to set Israel free. Now, now back to the command here that all the firstborn males of both man and beast is to be uh, sanctified and set apart for God for sacrifice. So following this command in Exodus 13, God makes some exceptions. Is everybody ready? So, so for donkeys, animals that, that would be considered unclean for sacrifice, God says this, you can redeem them. 
You can buy them back by offering, by offering, by substituting a lamb for them. And then when it comes to, to the firstborn male, obviously our God doesn't want a human sacrifice. Because he's not a cruel, wicked God. Somebody say amen. No, no, no. So he says, and, and, and for the males, all right, he said, I'm going to take the tribe of Levi. They're going to, they're going to serve me. And he says, for all of, so, so then all the firstborn males, you can offer a lamb to redeem them or, or uh, to buy them back. Or if you, are, if you are poor and you can't afford a lamb, you can offer, uh, you can offer turtle doves or pigeons. And here we are. And Joseph and Mary bring in the, the Savior. Well, come on, friend. Are you, are you not getting the picture here? And you, and you understand. Now watch this. They couldn't afford, the, they couldn't afford the, the lamb because they were not well-off people. And plus, they had just paid their taxes. That'll preach right there, amen. I'm not going to get political, but I'm just saying. I mean, it almost just started anyways. And they're not well off, and they offer up. And it doesn't even say which choice they made, but it does say that was their option. It was the two birds, either the turtle doves or the pigeons, because they were not well off. And so here's what they do. They're bringing back God's Son. Is everybody getting this? And they're saying, we're dedicating Him unto you. He's yours. And we're redeeming Him. We're buying Him back. And ultimately, here's what God's going to say. Here's what God's going to say. He's going to say this, but I'm giving him so that I can buy you back. You see the picture? I was hoping it came, comes through kind of clear here because it is pretty deep, but that's, that's what's happening here. And see, here's what, so that's the picture, all right? This is what's going on with, 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 with the dedication of Christ. But then look at what happens here. So, so in verse 25, we're introduced to this man, Simeon, and it begins to describe his character. It talks about him being just, being devout, all right? He's waiting on the consolation of Israel there in verse 25. Consolation just simply means the comfort of Israel, talking about the promise, the Messiah to come. And of course, the Holy Ghost, it says, was upon him as he walked with God. The Spirit of God was upon him. And then in verse 26, it says this, that as the Spirit of God was upon him, he was revealed some special information that he would not see the Lord's, or he would not see death, rather, until he had seen the, the Lord's Christ. And so then in verse number 27, so, so here you have Joseph and Mary, they brought the Lord's Christ to the temple, and it just so happens, right, that in verse 27, that, that, that he comes by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents... Uh, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. And in verse 28, Simeon comes along and he takes him, he takes him in his arm and he begins to give this message of prophecy. And this prophecy is ultimately going to reveal this picture of this dedication that Joseph and Mary have done with the child Jesus. All right, so stay with me. Now watch, watch what he says here. Look at, look at verse number 30. Here's what he says. He says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. 
It literally means this, deliverance. That's what it literally means. And, and, and again, this is where it starts coming together. See, you got to grab a hold of this, all right? Y'all all here? And you guys are, you kind of, you came back. Glory. I was worried about you earlier. The, the, in the Old Testament account, all right, of Adam and Eve, and where God put them in the garden, gave them one commandment, and they broke the commandment, watch this, there are two principles that we get from that. Okay, here they are. Number one is this, man is a sinner. Roman, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, that started back in the garden. So man is a sinner. Now watch this. Man is a sinner. And the second thing is this. Someone or something must die for man's sin. Blood has to be shed. Well, wait a minute, preacher. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you get that? Well, well, here's what happens. <clears throat> so Adam and Eve, they sin. They, they take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes are open. And they begin to realize they're both naked. And the first thing that they do is they cover themselves with fig leaves. Do you know this? That's a picture of man's first attempt at trying to redeem himself. Covering himself with fig leaves. And when God shows up in the garden, and, and there's a little scene that all takes place where he calls out to Atlas, and he knew what happened and he knew what was going on. He just wanted Adam to acknowledge it. And so when it's all said and done, he deals with Adam and Eve. Do you know what happens? God says this, those fig leaves aren't good enough, and he covers them with coats of skins, the Bible says. Do do you understand that that's talking about animal skin that goes from the neck all the way down past the knee? Now Now watch this, watch this. Coats of skin is animal skins. Where did he get the animal skins? Blood was shed. Something had to die for their sin. Be, be a fact, now watch this, be, be a fact, you can see this continuing on throughout the book of Genesis as God calls Abram, Abraham, Abram, out of the land of the Chaldees and calls him into the promised land, gives him the, the covenant, and, 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 and Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain to, 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 as God tries his faith, and, and, and he's going to, and even Isaac goes, Lord, where, where's the, uh, uh, or Isaac asked Abraham, where, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Because even then they were still shedding blood for their sin. That's right. And even when Moses comes along and God gives him the law, did you know this? That it was incorporated into the law in the day of atonement? You, you, under, you understand it's been carried, and please, and please listen to this. Please, I'm, just, I'm just telling you that, listen, <laughs> this, this is incredible. This is amazing. Is that this principle would continue, and, but, but here's the thing. The blood of bulls and goats could never fully redeem mankind. Could never redeem him from his sin and back to God. Just, just like the turtle doves or the pigeons they, 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 all of those things were only a picture of the one who was to come. Stay, stay with me, because even in these moments, look, look down at verse number 30. Look down at verse number 30. It says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Notice in verse 31. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. 
So, so you understand that even in those moments of, even in those moments of Adam and Eve, the moment of Abraham and Isaac, the, 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 the law and, and Moses, God prophesied and spoke of this scene right here, Jesus Christ, redeeming all of mankind. That is what is meant by the term prepared in verse number 31. Listen to this. Jesus Christ was not a plan B because the law didn't work. You, you understand, Jesus Christ was the plan all along. He, he was, listen, he, he, he was from the foundations of the world. This was the plan. Before God even created mankind, this was always the plan. The law, the law didn't fail. The law points to this plan. During the days of Adam and Eve, God would say there would be one that would come of the seed of the woman who would crush the head of Satan. That's talking about Jesus Christ. And Isaac would say, where's the lamb? And Abraham would say, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. That's Jesus Christ. When Moses was, was given the law, God would say that prophet would come and deliver his people. Just like Moses brought them out of the bond of Egypt, this prophet would bring them out of the bondage of sin. It's talking about Jesus Christ. The point is this, is that here's Simeon, and he sees this baby that's being dedicated, and the two turtle doves or the two pigeons brought out to redeem him from God. And what Simeon does is he grabs the baby and holds it up and says, ha! Here's the redemption. Here he is. I've seen thy salvation. Son, I'm telling you, if that don't help your soul, you got some serious things wrong this morning. Simeon grabs the child. Listen, I, I, I'm telling you, it's just incredible that Joseph and Mary offering up the sacrifice to redeem their son. And God is really offering up His Son now to redeem all of mankind. And, and notice verses 31 and 32 again, because it says, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. And notice this, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. You see, true to Luke's Gospel, I'm telling you, he makes it clear that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, Jesus Christ came for you. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's saying. Simeon's holding him up and saying, God has sent His Son to redeem not only Israel, but the Gentile people back to Himself. The problem is, it's not all good news. There's some difficulty that comes with this. In fact, look down at verse 34. Simeon blessed them. Said unto Mary his mother, Behold, the child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be 
revealed. Verse verse 34, Simeon begins to speak directly to Mary. You know, we're not not told in the Scriptures how, but, but we do know this, that after leaving the Lord in the temple in the next scene, and up to the revealing of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, later on in, in Luke chapter 3, we, we know this, that somehow or another Joseph dies. And so it will only be Mary who will witness her son's earthly ministry. But she will also witness Israel's ultimate rejection of him. And the crucifixion on the Mount of Calvary. And so rightly so, in verse 35, Simeon makes it clear, Mary, this is going to hurt your heart. But I would venture to say that Mary would be pretty happy to know it doesn't end after three days and three nights in the grave. But I also would say to you this, in verse 35 in that parenthesis, it makes it clear that he's speaking to Mary specifically. But in verse 34 and at the end of verse 35, it's also an application to all men. And the difficulty is this, that men are, gonna, men are going to experience conviction when they hear the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in verse 35 closely. He says, Yea, a sword, also shall, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I don't know about you, but I can't help but to think of Hebrews 4.12, where it says that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even of the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Come on, that's the way the Bible is, is that it exposes us for who we are as sinners condemned unto hell for all eternity. It's like the story I've told on multiple occasions about Brother Lloyd Frigel that used to be back at Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, where I trained for the ministry, and him and his wife Betty. And I remember the story of how uh, Brother Lloyd Frigel got saved, his wife Betty, she got saved there in Aurora, Missouri at an independent Baptist church. And she asked Lloyd to go to church with her the next Sunday. And so Lloyd goes to church and he comes home and he takes his coat off and he's mad. And he accuses Betty of telling the preacher about him. And Betty hadn't said anything. You know what that was? It was the Word of God. And I'm so grateful that eventually he got over things and he went back to the church in the next service and the man of God started preaching again and the Word of God started setting on his soul and he got under conviction and he came down the aisle and he put his faith and trust in Christ and became Brother Lloyd Frigel. But I'm just telling you, that's still the way that the Word of God works. I don't know how many times I've had, I've had God's people 
not knowing what's going on in their lives. And I've sat back there and they came by and said, thank you for that message. That was exactly what I needed. Listen to me. I'm not smart enough to know that. But God is. I've also had people say this who were lost and said things like this. Boy, it was like he was speaking to me in that service. Please listen to this. I don't don't know, but I know this. That's the Word of God. I've had people say things like, you've been reading my mail? You've been been watching what I've been doing? Listen, I don't like online. I don't like social media. And I definitely don't like reading my own mail, much less yours. That's the way the Word of God works is that it begins to pierce our hearts and it begins to pierce our souls and it begins to show us who we are, who we truly are before our God And it begins to convict us and it begins to convince us and show us the truth of Jesus Christ, but also the truth of who we are. But catch this, it's not just that conviction and that convincing, there's also this choice that you and I got to make. Look at what he says, look back up at verse number 34, Simeon's blessed them, said unto Mary his mother, listen to what he says, he says, behold, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be broken against. Do you understand when he's talking about the rise and fall of many again of many in Israel, what he's talking about is this, that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And man is either going to fall on him and be saved or he's going to fall on them in judgment. Go go with me to hold your place there in Luke chapter 2 and go with me to Luke chapter 20. And we'll be here in about five or six years. In Luke chapter 20, look at what the Lord Jesus says in verse 17 and 18. It says, And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. Talking about they're going to be broken of who they are, but they'll be saved. But watch this. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. That's talking about the judgment of Almighty God. So here's the difficulty that man faces. You ready for this? Listen to this. Man is a sinner. It started in the garden, and it's transitioned down to every man's sense. This sin nature. We're born in sin. Man is a sinner. Now watch this. Then the Bible says this, the wages of sin. What we earn is death. And that's not just talking about physical death. That's talking about spiritual death in the lake of fire for all eternity. But I'm glad that Romans 6.23 doesn't just stop there, aren't you? Because it goes on to say that the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the idea here is this, is that our sin puts us in debt with God. And like Adam and Eve in the beginning, someone or something has to die for us so that we can be redeemed. We can have that debt paid for and taken away. Listen to me, that's exactly why Jesus Christ came. Simeon is holding him up and saying, this is God's salvation. This is man's deliverance. 
This is the redemption for all of mankind. And Christ is going to go from here and live a sinless, spotless life. And He's going to go to the cross. And He's going to die for you and for me. And He's going to take our place. And He's going to be buried for three days. And then He's going to rise again the third day. Listen to this, listen to this. Proving, proving that His sacrifice was acceptable unto God. And now, and now, all man has to do, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, all you have to do is humble yourself and realize who you are before God and then come to Jesus Christ by faith, receiving this forgiveness and this eternal life. But really, that's the hard part. Because there are people that are going to go, well, you know, that's, that's, that's fine, preacher, but, but I've got these works that I've done. Well, really, so did Adam and Eve. So did Israel. And God said that wasn't good enough. And now we're in 2023 and Christianity as a whole has their baptisms and their confessions and their confirmations and their communions. Everybody catching this? Please listen to this. The Lord Jesus, when we die, is not going to bow the knee to our baptisms and our confessions and our you know, communions. Is everybody catching this? Every, knee is, every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow to Him. Your works cannot... Listen, listen there's no scales in heaven that's going to weigh out your good works with your bad. The reality is this, all of it's bad. All our righteousnesses are filthy rags. If we could earn our salvation, then why has redemption come through God's Son, Jesus Christ? The reality is you can't. You can't. But then there's going to be those people that are agnostic and atheistic and say, well, you know, preacher, there is no God. Well, really, because verse 34, verse 34 is for you. Because it also says this, and for a sign, which shall be spoken again. You know, it's amazing the signs that God has given man to show him that there is a God. I mean, man is born with an innate truth that he's created in the image of God. Nobody's born an atheist. You've got to choose that because you believe the lie of evolution. Nobody's born that way. You've got to choose it. Is anybody, is anybody catching this? So nobody's born that way. You were actually born with an innate truth that, that there is a God. It's amazing how many kids understand that there is a God. But it's not until they're, they're, that, that truth is suppressed with the lie of evolution like Romans chapter 1. And then they get to that, well, I'm, I'm going to believe in science now. Yeah, how's that working out for you? Not very good. You know, God's also given you a conscience. In Romans 2, the law of God written upon your heart. That's why when you don't even know God, but yet you do something like you steal something or you lie about something, and you feel guilty inside. And don't look at me like you'd never do that. Because all men are sinners. Including the atheist. And when you do that, you feel guilty. You know what that is? That's because you've broken law, the, God, the law of God that was written upon your heart. And your conscience is dealing with you and saying, this, this is wrong. Yeah. 
Then there's creation. You telling me that this stuff happened to just come all about? No, 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 no. God created it. God put the order in it and the design in it so that we can know that there is a God. But, then, but here's the thing. Please, please listen to this. In all of the conversations that I've had with atheists and agnostics, it all comes to a halt when you go, how do you explain the empty tomb? Because they can't. Well, you know, the disciples stole his body away. Well, that's what they accused him of in the Gospels. But this is what I find amazing is that every one of those men were persecuted for the faith and died for the faith, save John. And he was tarred and feathered and banished to the Isle of Patmos. And not one of them recanted the faith. That's a pretty heavy weight to say, well, you know, they lied about it and stole the body. But yet they were willing to die for it. No, no, I'd say this. He did rise from the dead. And he spent 40 days and 40 nights with them. And because of that understanding, those men were willing to give their lives and not recant the faith. See, the difficulty is not... The the difficulty... Here's the difficulty. It's pride. It's admitting you're wrong. And he's right. And that really you need him. Years and years ago, I was the youth director at Berean Baptist Church in, in Springfield, Missouri, and we went to the youth conference at Oklahoma City. It's like three days of just preaching and, and stuff and just all kinds of things. And, and I had a friend of mine that I grew up with in, in the Panhandle of Florida. We grew up together, and he was actually stationed uh, in the military in Oklahoma City, and he found out that we were going to Oklahoma City. And so he calls me, and he goes, Hey, man, he goes, Hey, can I... Can I get up with you and, and, and we, you know, visit for, I hadn't seen you in a while and just wanted to, and, and if you know anything about the youth conference, you know this, you don't have a lot of free time. And so, I, man, I wanted to see him, but, but I just couldn't get away. We had like 30 or 40 kids and I just couldn't get away. And I, I just, I told him, I said, man, I, there's really no way. Um, the, the only way we really we would have time to maybe visit with one another is if you came to one of the services. And so he came to one of the services. And, and that night, Brother Kenny Baldwin was preaching. If you know anything about Kenny Baldwin, he gets pretty excited. You thought I was crazy jumping fuse. Brother Kenny Baldwin, he'll get wound up. He just let her go. And son, I'm telling you, he let it go that night. And I mean, God showed up. It was awesome. I gave the invitation. I asked if anybody needed to receive Christ as their Savior They'd raise their hand. And you know how Baptists do, and they say every head bowed and every eye closed. And so I'm standing there next to my friend, and I felt something, so I had to peek. And sure enough, he was raising his arm up. He leaned over and he asked me, he said, Wes, would you go with me to the altar? And I said, yeah, I'll go. We got down on the altar, and I prayed. I looked at my friend, and I said, okay. I said, it's your turn. Man, he just sat there, and he's crying, and 
knew he needed to be saved and didn't say anything for a minute. And then he finally leaned over to me and he looked at me and he said, Wes, he said, this is hard. Can you help me? And I looked at him and I said, you know why it's hard? Because you got to swallow your pride. And then I said this, and you know what? I've never seen anybody choke to death on him. <laughs> and he swallowed his pride and he called on the Lord and he got saved. Amen. Amen. See, that's, that's the difficulty. Is you got to make a decision about this this morning. Here's the redemption. God's given it. And God wants to buy you back out of your sin and unto yeah. Him. And the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. But you're going to have to decide whether you receive it or not. You know what my prayer is for you? Is that you'd just be like my friend this morning and raise your hand and go, you know what, I need, I need that. And no matter how difficult it is, you swallow your pride and call upon Him and He'll save you. Listen to me. Be the greatest choice you ever made. Amen. Greatest choice. Let's all stand this morning.